Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Bristol City away to my Bristol City at home. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, how are you? I'm absolutely exquisite. It's a bit sad that it's an international break. I've completely forgot England had games. Um, But, you know, I'm very happy. I'm very good. I despise international breaks. I think they're the thing I hate the most about modern football at the moment, and there's quite a few. I, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you who England are playing during this international break at all. Um, they just seem like a bit of a waste of time, really, and I would quite happily get rid of them altogether. But nonetheless, Justin, we haven't got time to talk in this episode, unfortunately. This is the number one championship-specific podcast, ladies and gentlemen, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Today, we're going to be looking back at our league table predictions from the start of the season. Have a little laugh at ourselves for being so silly with some of the predictions that we made, and then reassess the expectations for each team in the division. Just a reminder that me and Justin made our individual tables and then combined them to make one big table and that's how we ended up with the monstrosity that was our league table predictions. <laughs> We've got 24 teams to go through Justin so let's not mess around and crack on straight away with it. We'll start off with the team that we had to finish rock bottom of the table and that was Derby. I feel like we're starting off with one where the expectations haven't changed this season but it's not for the want of trying. No, they they have been very good, haven't they, under under Rooney this season, Derby, and um, I do feel, you know, as a neutral, feel really bad for them because they are a mid-table side points-wise, um, but because of points deductions, which we expected to to come at some point, just not the administration one. Yeah, they they've dropped to the bottom of the table, and that's that's where they'll be for the foreseeable um, until they until they yeah get enough points on the board. Yeah, it's hard to see them moving, really, isn't it? I think their chances mm-hmm. of staying up are slim to none anyway. The only two things that would increase their chances are if they manage to reduce the looming nine-point deduction and, more importantly, if they find a buyer before January, which I think is the big objective uh, as a side to actually staying up this this season. If they find a bit a buyer who's willing to pump a fair bit of money into the club, then they could be able to hold on to the main core of the squad they've got now but that is a big if isn't it Justin it is and I, I tell you what if if they do find a buyer and they don't have to sell their their key players then I could see Derby running it very close in terms of getting outside the bottom yeah. three it's just whether or not they get a buyer and it's it's literally just the threat of having to sell players they sell players they're in a lot of trouble because they don't have enough players in their squad in, in general so yeah they find a buyer I think I think they've got a chance of staying up I do but at the moment it's not looking too rosy 
No, not at all. Unfortunately, the likelihood is at the time of recording that they won't find a buyer before January and then the administrators will ignite a fire sale of all the talent and derby for the second half of the season and left with a team that's mostly made up of kids. And if that happens, then they'll be essentially relegated halfway through the season, won't they, unfortunately? Mm -hmm. Uh, But while they are doing so well at the moment, we can only praise them in their current state. Uh, 23rd, Justin, we had Blackpool. Um, I think at the start of the season, we were pretty, you know, sure that they would be in a relegation battle this season. But as we've said quite a lot recently, Neil Critchley's doing a marvellous job, isn't he? He is. And I think the key thing here is how well and how quickly they've adapted to the championship. Because we saw Rotherham struggle last season. We saw Coventry struggle last season at the start of the season. Uh, And obviously Wickham lost all six of their games to the point where you said they might not win a game for the rest of the season. Um, You're not bringing that up, don't you? (laughs) Obviously, obviously. Um, But Blackpool and the way they take it to the championship um, has surprised quite a few people. And the way they're playing as well, creating a lot more chances than they did in the opening few games. Yeah, they're they're well well earning of their mid-table place at the moment. And laughing at us, predicting them to finish 23rd. Yeah, I, I think they probably are laughing at us, in fairness to them. And we have been having quite a lot of questions recently about whether Blackpool's expectations should change, considering they're one of the form teams in the division at the moment. If I'm being honest, I would say no, just because of what you were saying about how promoted teams have done in the recent past. In the last three seasons, a promoted team has finished at the highest position. They finished as 16th, and the vast majority of teams have spent those seasons fighting to stay up. For Blackpool to stay up and to stay clear of a relegation battle would be a marvellous achievement, wouldn't it? it? It would, and I think you consider the funds they've spent barely spent anything. There are clubs around them with a, a much higher wage uh, budget than them and, and as well as that where they've come from you know the the oysters dragged them into the cave of, of, of football um, they're in such a state um, off the pitch uh, so where they've come from uh, you've got to give them credit and um, you know essentially the point I'm trying to make is they're batting above their weight at the moment and for as long as that continues um, they should keep aiming as high as possible really well for them to even be in the division is a great achievement isn't it and if they manage to stay up at the same time then it will still be a marvellous achievement for them to stay clear from a relegation battle as I say would be an, just an incredulous achievement it is worth saying may I cast your mind back to two seasons ago when Charlton they started really well didn't they but then slept walked back into mm-hmm. a relegation battle um, so with that being said I would say staying up is still the goal for me if I was a Blackpool fan they've shown now that the more incapable of competing at this level and long may it continue. They've just got to keep plugging away. Uh, 20 seconds. This is a rather egg on our face kind of moment. We had Coventry. But to be fair, Justin, Joey from the Neil Lamptey podcast, which is a Coventry podcast, said he'd be happy to stay up at the start of the season. I highly doubt any Coventry fans are expecting them to have the season they're having at the moment. It is interesting now trying to figure out what Coventry's expectations are. Same as Barnsley last season, really, wasn't it? You know, where what what are our expectations? Should we should be uh, be aiming for the playoffs? Should we be aiming for a higher, or should we just be happy that we we might stay in the division this season? It's it's a strange place to be, but um, 
you know, credit to, to Mark Robbins for getting his, his Coventry team playing because the reason why I, I we, we, we both had them quite low down in the table is because they didn't really improve on their squad, I don't think. Um, no. And and that has to be credit to Mark Robbins because he's getting the best out of these players. You look at Jamie Allen, who is a fringe player, has come in and he's been absolutely fantastic. And obviously Victor Kirkres as well and, and, and the likes of Martin Michaels contributed. So, yeah, credit to everyone at, at Coventry City if they're really pushing higher and higher and higher because there's 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 a high roof there for, for Coventry at the moment. Yeah, it turns out they didn't need to bring in players. They already had the players there <laughs> exactly. for a top six push this season. Um, going back to what we were talking about with their expectations, I was asking myself the other day, will Coventry end up having a season similar to Reading last season where they start well but don't keep up with the pace? Part of me thinks they will. But the difference between Coventry this season and Reading last season is Reading were winning games when they were clearly second best. Whereas Coventry this season are beating teams and being the better side. So I don't think it would be any surprise to me if they did manage to stay in the top six. There are a couple of question marks, admittedly, they'll have to answer. One being Victor Jokerez. Is he going to keep scoring at the rate that he is? You'd say no. Otherwise, he'll end up on 27 goals this season, which is a mad amount of goals in its own right um, and would be quite something for someone who's not particularly convinced at this level previously. So if he does go through a bad patch, then who else is going to step up when he scored more than half of their goals this season? And then I think defensively, there are still a couple of question marks as well. Because when you look at the underlying data, they've been given away more chances than you'd expect compared to how many goals they've actually conceded. Plus, it's also a similar defence to the one that we had last season which had the fourth worst defensive record in the championship. So I'd say top six is doable. There's no question about it. Right now, I'd say, though, there are teams who are better suited, but you can't argue with the harmony and togetherness that you've got at uh, the Coventry Building Society Arena, Justin. Uh, Shall we move on? Let's go to Huddersfield, who are 21st, just outside of the relegation zone, as far as our league table predictions uh, were at the start of the season. I think, without a doubt, I was saying this to Brady at the weekend once, that they are the most unpredictable team in the division for my money. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see them in 21st come come May. Um, it's just how it's just how they function. It's the, the chaos that Corbrand Ball brings. And I'm all for it. You know what? It's entertaining. It's great. You never know what you're going to get. It's a nightmare for, for accumulators, I imagine. But... For a team to to they they have pressed a reset button um, under Phil Hodgkinson, the ownership of Phil Hodgkinson, they've had to, and I think Corbyn's just feeling his way around it now, and it, it's it's keeping certain players fit. That's going to help them stay high up in the table, and it's also being consistent because they were consistent last season. They played consistently well in the first half of the season, and consistently bad in the second half of the season. So it's finding that right balance, isn't it, for them to avoid dropping like a leaf again. Well, that's it. Is it going to happen again? <laughs> I don't think that can be ruled out. It's got to be said, defensively, they're much improved on how they were mm-hmm. last season. So it would be surprising to see them return to the car crash at the back that they were last season. Uh, young Levi Colwell at the back has been phenomenal. And you'd hope that he continues to get better as the season goes on. Tom Lees has been a clever bit of business. And then the boy Sorber Thomas has been the breakout star of the season. If you had to list some cons, then I'd say none of the forwards have particularly hit their stride yet. Danny Ward has had his fair share of critics from Huddersfield fans, and Josh Caroma has been pretty 
underwhelming actually so far this season and then Sinani is yet to get on the score sheet as well the only other thing you'd say is Carlos Corbran his inexperience shone through on plenty of occasions in the second half of last season didn't it so you'd hope he would have learnt from that but only time would tell I think I'd be fairly happy if Huddersfield were to have a trouble-free mid-table finish this season if you were a Huddersfield fan anyway wouldn't you you just want to be a boring average side, especially if you've gone through as much trauma as Huddersfield have, being that they played so poorly in the Premier League the season they came down. Um, they played so poorly in the season, their first season back in the Championship and then just a nightmare of last season. So yeah, you just want a boring average season if you're a Huddersfield fan and you take that all day because it gives you a chance to build. It really does. Yeah, spot on, mate. Uh, 20th, we have Hull. And at the moment, I'd say that prediction is looking fairly spot on. Yes, go on. <laughs> Probably not too, actually. Limbs, but... limbs here on the second tier podcast because we got one right. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a it's been a sore old time for for Hull fans, mainly because they just haven't had a good time of it in the Championship over the last I don't know how long it's been. Um, them being a Championship club anyway, but yeah, they're, they're a club that I definitely deserve to be down there at the moment. Obviously, picking up points in their last league game um, was a big plus in that in that win against Borough, but. So far, they just haven't convinced at all. Yeah, there have been signs of encouragement recently. Malik Wilkes obviously scoring a beautifully well-taken goal last weekend. Hopefully that gives him confidence. And then Keen Lewis Potter has shown in moments that he's a very talented young player at this level. And I feel like those two are going to be so important to Hall's chances of staying up this season. And then the challenge for Grant McCann is utilising them as much as he can because... Plain and simply, the main problem this season has been scoring goals, hasn't it? And creating Mm -hmm. more chances. And that will be the key to them avoiding relegation. Because defensively, they've been all right. Good enough to stay up, at least, I'd say. And it's just the other end of the pitch where the problems lie. Yeah, I think they're one of the lowest teams in terms of creating chances as well. um, In in, in the league this season. And and I think that's a frustrating thing for, for me from an outsider perspective is they've got a lot of talent going forwards um, but do they really have an identity do they really have um, an ethos in terms of how they attack uh, again if you get your key players back fit the likes of Malik Wilts and Keen Lewis Potter either side then that's going to help massively Tyler Smith has looked sharp as well when he's played um, so I think now it's a really good time for Hull to just spark up and if they don't spark up in the next sort of few games I, I can make it see it being a really long season for them well they have got George Honeyman coming back into the team and once he's back fully fit it could make a world of difference because he was probably one of the best players in League One last season if not the best player in League One last season so him coming back could add to that creativity but there's without a doubt still question marks over Grant McCann's ability at this level as a manager in 19th Justin we've got Preston and Another one, which I would say probably not going to be too far off this season. I don't know, because Preston have been very deceivingly quiet, haven't they? Where they haven't lost many games. They've just lost four this season, which is still high, but they've just drawn too many games. Um, But they look like a side that have transitioned quite nicely under McAvoy over the uh, the last few games, especially... Because um, you look at that opening day defeat to Hull and I thought, Christ almighty, it's going to be a bad season for Preston because they looked so bad. They looked lackluster and tired and just terrible. 
Um, and then they t- sort of to slow, started to slowly turn it around. You've got Emma Reese Jacobson starting to score goals as well. Um, Patrick Bowers back in the side doing what he does very, very well. Um, so I, I think that Preston, I think we could see them uh, a bit higher in the table uh, at some point. I'm not too sure because as you quite rightly point out just then, when you look at a, a league table and you've got the form and it has like, you know, W, L, D for whatever the results are, Preston's form is very much Sandstorm Derude in the way that it's loads of Ds. Um, and I, I honestly can't see it being much different as the season goes on because if there's ever been a team who is the living definition of a transition season, then it's Preston. And that has become more evident as the season has gone so far. I think at best, they'll finish mid-table. At worst, they could get dragged into a relegation battle. Because it is just a team made up of average championship players, really, isn't it? Not good, not bad, just very average. Oh, I don't know, I think you might irk a few people with that. I think they're well, all go on then. Players. Go on then, who, who, who's a good player out of this bunch? Patrick Bauer. Patrick Bauer, I he, he he was brilliant before his injury, but I'm I'm not sure he's back at the same level that he was. Will take time, but he'll get there. Daniel Johnson, I think, could play certainly in a team chasing for the top six. Uh, Preston fans keep saying to me that he's one of the best number tens in the division, but I'm I'm still not convinced. I, I'd say he's on the good side of um, the Thank average you. championship That's player. One. But I say made up of average championship players, meaning the vast majority of them are average championship players. You've named two. But Preston, they fall into this category where, like Ben Pearson, like Ben Davis, where they bring players through, they make them better and they sell them on. They are a middle club for a lot of championship players. Um, And that's where the philosophy has to change at the top, which is why we've been crying out for investment um, for Preston, because they've we've said many times they need a 20 goal season striker they need to pay 2 or 3 million pounds for that person they haven't done that um, so at the minute they are a middle club for championship players yes average championship players will fall into them but they will get better over time like Patrick Bauer has like Emil Reese Jacobs, uh, Jacobsen has this season so don't wholly agree with your point but I understand it I just see, see them struggling to progress especially with Frankie McAvoy in charge who so far hasn't particularly convinced at championship level. As I say, when you draw in as many games as them, it's worrying. Um, So as I say, best case scenario, mid-table, worst case scenario, relegation battle for PNE this season for me. 18th, Justin, we had Blackburn. And Blackburn are another team who I think could end up having a very similar season to the last one in the way that they started well, looked like they could be challenging for the top six, but then drift off as the season goes on. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they, they copy that, because if they do, then you look at the likes of Tony Mowbray and even the board as to why they haven't been able to bring players in um, that improve the club. Um, but you're right, I think Blackburn could easily, they could easily finish seventh, they could easily finish sixth, but they could also easily finish 18th, which I think that's a... Uh, uh, sort of a bit of an indictment about as to how they play and, and, and how inexperienced in places their squad is and how reliant they are on individuals. For example, you take out Daryl Lenahan, um and we saw it the weekend, they they struggle without him. So they, they're a side that could finish top half easily and they're a side that could finish bottom half easily as well. Well, they were more solid. Obviously, they're going to finish one or the other, aren't they? <laughs> well, you could finish mid-table. 
Well, the twelfth is still technically oh, top yeah. half. That's a good point. That's such a stupid <laughs> comment to make, wasn't if, it? If it was an odd number of teams, <laughs> then maybe. Um, but yeah, okay. if they were more solid at the back, then I could see them challenging for the top six. But I don't think they'd get there because I think there are teams who are just better suited to them. One thing you've got to ask is, can Ben Brereton and Diaz continue this form that he's shown so far this season? He started very well last season. Admittedly, he's been better than he started last season. Um, but you still have to have the question marks. Personally, I think it's about 50-50 whether he will continue this good form as the season goes on. And if he's not scoring, then who else is scoring? Because obviously losing Adam Armstrong, he contributed a lot of goals. Sam Gallagher has never really hit the ground running at Blackburn. Tyrese Dolan chips in every so often. So you've got problems at both ends of the pitch, really. And I said at the start of the season as well that their squad is rather thin. And you don't really tend to see how much that impacts a team until later in the season. So, unfortunately for Blackburn, I just think there were way too many question marks for them to be in a similar position than they are now. But they could certainly, you know, gazumpar pre-season predictions at the very least. In 17th, Justin, we had Bristol City. And they're doing all right so far this season, aren't they? But it's a joke that's gone beyond parody at this point about... Their bloody home form, because away from home, best away form in the league. At home, at Ashton Gates, they just can't win for love nor money. It's quite funny, isn't it, that if you even just pick up a couple of wins, you could be quite easily second. Just to pick up two wins at home this season, that's another six points on the board. You're second in the league. Um, And I guess that's a frustrating for Nigel Pearson, I I imagine, especially um, given how how bad they were last season um, because I think they've started quite nicely and they're a side that they've got a very good squad I think um, a very solid squad so I think they could grind their way to a top half finish quite quite easily so again I think they're another a prediction that in hindsight we probably could have uh, pushed them a bit higher I think considering some of the teams who have got around them or slightly above them then yeah they could um, definitely um, prove us completely wrong I'd say I'm more optimistic about them now than I was at the start of the season because at the start of the season I was really quite worried about them um, but Nigel Pearson's got them into a solid outfit Rob Atkinson's been really solid at the back Dan Bentley has been showing why he's one of the best goalkeepers in the league they just don't really have enough to challenge for the playoffs unfortunately because there are a lot of other teams who are stronger in a lot of areas than they are so they're another team that are really going through a transition there are a lot of teams going through transitions this season and I think Bristol City are probably one of the teams top of the pile another team going through a transition season Justin is the team that we had finished 16th and that is Swansea I said in pre-season that I wouldn't be surprised if Swansea were involved in a relegation battle at some point this season and from what we've seen so far, I still think that could very well happen. What do you think? Um, they're a hard one to crack because I've, every game I've watched them, I've been impressed. Um, it's just, it's just being as as um, efficient with the ball in the final third as they are in other areas of the pitch. Because I think uh, they're probably the best side I've watched at Pride Park this season. Obviously, watching Derby, they were very, very good, but they just stopped attacking could that, after the half Could that hour. be though? Could that be though because of the style of football they play? Because we all know about 
how Russell Martin likes to play football. It's mm-hmm. attractive, it's sleek and sexy, just like Russell Martin. But <laughs> it's so could that possibly be deceiving how good a team they actually are? I think it is a little bit. Um, I think if the it's, it's just a case of improving in that final third, isn't it, and being more creative. And I think if you look at Russell Martin and, uh, at MK Dons last season, started very slowly. Uh, was being criticised by fans, which is why that Plan A, Plan B rant came about. Um, so, and, and it, it did eventually start to even out. So, I think it's just going to take time. It's going to take a, a, a lot more of the season for this style of play to just get bedded into the players, and they will improve, especially with the January transfer window coming up. If they get to get to the January and they're still points above the bottom three, then they'll be absolutely fine this season. Yeah, it's been a bit of a bumpy transition, hasn't it, because of the drastic change in the style of play and I think those bumps will continue over the next couple of months or so the obvious worry as you pointed out is goals where Joel Pirro has come in and to be fair to him he's looked a lot better than I think Mm -hmm. both of us were expecting him to be this season Jamie Patterson's chipped in with a few but then only one other player has scored a goal this season and that's worrying because you need the goals to be coming from all areas of the pitch because what if Pirro gets injured or what if Patterson gets injured Mm -hmm. You've got problems then. So, yeah, still plenty of question marks over Swansea this season. I think I'd still be aiming for a mid-table finish, but as I say, it's another team in transition. In 15th, we had Birmingham, and Birmingham are quite impressive, really, because they've had a rather chalk-and-cheese season already in the 11 games that we've played so far. I'd say the signs have been good, though, because even though they haven't been picking up the results recently, they've been playing quite well, haven't they? But it's still four defeats in their last six, which is a bit of a concern. And they've conceded a lot of goals in that time, which is probably why where we've predicted them is a, is a fair fair place to put them. Because I think at the start of the season, there was a fair bit of optimism from Birmingham City fans. And even I was questioning um, our decision to put them so low because I thought they recruited very well. Lee Bowyer is, is a good manager. Um, it's just whether or not they can avoid that implosion they have at some point in the season. Um, I'm not saying they are they have a, they are having that implosion, but their form has dipped considerably. I would disagree with you. I say that even though the results haven't been coming recently, I think the transition, obviously Lee Bowie had a few games towards the end of last season to implement his style of play, but they are playing with a clear identity now, which is getting the ball out wide to Baylor and Colin and then getting them to whip the ball in or getting up quickly to Jukovic or Dini and then letting the likes of Chong work his magic. And even though results recently would suggest otherwise, I think it is working and that can only be a good thing. They haven't scored in the last four games as well, which is an obvious worry but they have been letting in some poor goals recently um, but they were very solid at the start of the season so my mm. gut to in- my gut instinct is that at the top of the pitch and at the back they will click once again and Birmingham can climb up the table and surpass our expectations and go on to have a very solid season I'm not saying you know playoff push or anything too dramatic but considering they've been in a relegation battle for the past number of seasons, I think <laughs> a top half finish or mid table finish, something around there, is a very, very realistic possibility for Blues this season. Uh, let's move on to 14th, Justin, which is Reading. And we were just talking about Birmingham having a very chalk and cheese start to the season already. Reading have 
also had that, but in the complete opposite way, in the way that they started terribly, then have got going again recently. Um, what are you thinking with the Royals thus far? I've been impressed and I've also been very frustrated with them because at the start of the season, I mean, you just look at their form um, over the past 11 games, five wins, five defeats, one draw. That's pretty much the definition of chalk and cheese, isn't it? Um, especially comparing <laughs> comparing the numbers. Um, but you go for that first few games of the season, they look terrible defensively and you, and you start to think, God, this is going to be a long old season for you guys. Um, and then they pick up and then you think, all right, we might be seeing the reading of last season. Um, and then you sort of level off a little bit. And I think that'll be where Reading want to be. They, they will just want to level off, especially considering that they've had a transfer embargo in the summer um, and there's a potential points deduction coming for them as well. So you want to get as many points on the board and they've got a good group of players. I've got no doubt if they were, be, if they were able to add to the squad this season without an embargo, I think they could have been punching um, for the playoffs. But that's the thing that's held them back for me this season. But I have been impressed in parts, yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing that's really disrupted them is injuries. And I'd say that's the yeah. main reason why it's difficult to see them doing too much this season. With Lucas Xiao out until the new year at the earliest and Yaku Meite, we'll be lucky to see him at all this campaign. So we had Reading to finish 14th at the start of the season. They've shown in bits and pieces that they are probably going to finish around there with you know Baba Rahman coming in at left back who's worked wonders and then Josh Laurent dropping into defence has also turned out to be a good move as well um, so I'd say 14th would probably be a good season for the Royals in the circumstances but with that points deduction looming on the horizon then it could make it squeaky bum time it just depends how much of a points deduction they have and when it actually comes in uh, let, let's go to 13th Justin where we had Peterborough and I'd like to point out to any listeners wondering what on earth happened here that the fingers appoint firmly at Justin Peach. Yep, I'll take all of the blame. We're allowed to be wrong. We're allowed to be wrong. It's you know, we're human, Ryan. We can make mistakes, can't we? Let's not jump on me, right? Let's let's all take a breath. Yeah, well, y you say that, but when we make mistakes, then it's definitely lapped up by our <laughs> listeners at every possible opportunity. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thirteenth for Peterborough. I mean. I was thinking uh, in my individual table, I had them off the top of my head about 18th, I think. Um, you had them in a lofty top half position, but even mm. 18th now is looking like it could be horribly wrong because Peterborough have looked really poor so far this season, haven't they? Yeah, let's cut it straight to it. They've been really, really bad. Um, they're, they're, I, you know me, I like to sit on a fence. You call me a fence sitter quite often. Absolutely. Um, and I'm going to remove myself uh, off it. I, they have been. They have not looked like a side that is able to compete in the championship so far. I know they've picked up results um, here and there, but um, and this, they, they, people say there's an agenda. There is an agenda. I like Peterborough. I predict them to finish in the top half, but they just haven't got me uh, convinced at all um, and and Darren Ferguson again he's, he's a manager I think he finds too many excuses sometimes he blames officials fairly often um, and yes officials aren't great in a championship but they just haven't been good enough they haven't been able to compete um, pre-season was disrupted sympathise with them there but you look at Blackpool they've they've managed to uh, compete with uh, in the championship and, and Hull have managed at one extra point than Peterborough um, and even Derby Derby have managed to do it with with barely a squad so I'm looking at Peterborough and I'm thinking 
I don't have any hope for you at the moment. Yeah, there's got to be a drastic turnaround for them to stay in the division at all, really, haven't there? Um, Peterborough fans were saying to me in midweek when we put out a clip of uh, the episode from last weekend that it's not down to Taron Ferguson and I could not disagree more, unfortunately, because they have got a good, talented pool of players. I sound like a broken record at this point because I think we've been saying that for the past three or four weeks now. Um but something's got to change and it's got to change fast. Otherwise, Peterborough will be sinking without a trace. Justin, let's have a break. After that, we'll talk about the top half of the teams that we finished, that we predicted to finish in the top half of the championship this season. That nearly made sense. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. And the team that we had to finish 12th, Justin, is another one which is uh, turning out to be a bit of a clangor. I don't think many people would have had it too differently, to be honest, but it was Barnsley. And Barnsley were always going to be a difficult team to predict this season, weren't they? Considering they lost so many key personnel, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch. It was almost like throwing a dart at a league table, really, as to where they were actually going to go. The thing is... They kept a strong core of the squad, which meant if the new signings hit the ground running and Marcus Shop turned out to be a tactical genius, then best case scenario, I don't think another playoff push would have been out of the question. Instead, what we're seeing is the worst case scenario folding out in front of (laughs) us. Yeah, it's um, it's not been ideal for Barnsley fans at all. And Barnsley fans are a fairly uh, reasonable bunch, aren't they? They don't jump on the backs of managers too often. Um, but Shop is certainly a, a man that they don't see working for them, and that's that's probably a, a, as bad as an indictment as you can tell for an appointment. Um, and as you quite rightly said, everything had to fall in place for this to work out for for Shop and for Barnsley this season, and it hasn't. You know, they lost obviously Daryl DK, Alex Mallet left as well. Uh, there's the Ishmael factor um, and a style of play transition. None of it has worked out for Barnsley and we're seeing the, the, the embers of that now with them sitting in 22nd with just eight points and one win on the board. It's not been not been a good showing. And like I said, they've got good players, but it's just something's not working out. Well, the weird thing is they've only lost two main figures, really, from that squad. But the players that they had mm. from last season who performed so well for them, they look like shadows of their former selves, really, don't they? Yeah, you're quite right. I think Carlton Morris is, is, is currently injured as well, which doesn't help factors. But Romel Palmer, Callum Styles, they, they're, they're fit. You've got the likes of Helik and um, and Kitchen. Kitchen's looked fairly good in part. Civic as well. The squad's pretty much there. Bradley Collins has been on top form this season, but he's had to be because Barnsley have conceded a lot of chances compared to, compared to last season. So... Yeah, it, that, I think that's a frustrating thing is that the, the, the core group is there. They just haven't been in top form. Even You'd argue that Carly, Carly Woodrow hasn't quite hit the heights of last season as well. He's not quite having as big of influence on games as, as, he, as he did last season. Well, it's quite crazy, isn't it, that you mentioned Bradley Collins being in such brilliant form here and Barnsley are now joint uh, second from bottom with Peterborough. If it wasn't for Derby's points deduction and the form of Bradley Collins, then Barnsley could be even further. They could be, you know miles away from the rest of the teams in the division and that's incredibly alarming if there is a reason for hope for Barnsley fans it's that 
They have got players coming to the team who haven't featured yet for various reasons, including visas. Um, having said that, under this manager, it's hard to convince yourself that he'll be able to get the best out of them because, quite frankly, we haven't seen anything yet from Marcus Shop Avery to indicate he's a good championship manager. I was going to say, if it was on the fight category, they are showing fight because they managed to cause a scrap against Stoke City, so... Perhaps there is something to read into it. Well, that was the coaching staff. The coaching staff wanted to scrap <laughs> with everyone, uh, but the players seem to be otherwise. Um, there's no identity in this squad. There's They've been second best in virtually every game so far this season. And I think if you offered Barnsley fans safety from relegation right now, they'd rip your hands off. That's how bad they look right now. And they've been telling us that in their droves. It's a very worrying time at Oakwell for all involved after... You know, just a few months ago, being on the high of their lives. It's quite remarkable. 11th, Justin, we have Millwall, or had Millwall. And we joke a lot about Millwall aiming to break the draw record this season. Do you fancy them to achieve anything actually worth celebrating? Um, mm, that's such a hard question to answer with Millwall. Because sometimes you go, you know what, you're going to do it. You've got this. Playoff, playoff places, you're there, you we're getting somewhere um, and then they draw another couple of games it's like okay never mind let's, let's just settle for, for 12th or 11th or anywhere mid-table um, if they do get the draw record I think that will be better than a playoff finish because at least there's something to cheer about um, but look Millwall are a good they're a good side they're a very good side they're just a little bit boring under Rowett which is just classic Rowett I think but, but Gary Rowett has form for getting teams in the top six. I th- mm-hmm. I do look at the squad and I think, well, you're right. They have got a handful of very good championship players. They are missing pieces in the puzzle. And it's the same problems that they've suffered for the last two seasons with now. They haven't got anyone else who can consistently contribute goals alongside Jed Wallace. We hoped Benekophobi would be that man. The indication so far is that he's not. Shea Ojo was really flattered to see from the small amount we've seen from him so far. And from a listener's perspective, it must come across as quite lazy at this point for us to peddle the same narrative about them all the time. But it's true. It's like investing all your money in a big cannon instead of giving the rest of your soldiers guns because you've got the bomb player who is contributing to goals and the rest of them aren't. Yeah, the, the Millwall frustratingly are just a, a repeat of last season and maybe a little bit of the season before. Um, and I don't think it's a bad thing because they're a club who have had it. They had a, they had a, a rough time, sort of the mid two thousand and tens, going up and down, up and down the leagues. So for them to be in this position where they can sit mid table for a little bit and then potentially start to grow is is a good place to be. But when you've got someone like Jed Wallace on the books, and you know Scott Malone's been in very good form, uh, they've got Jake Cooper, who for my money is one of the most consistent centre halves in the league. Bierkowski, one of the most consistent goalkeepers in the league. You have to be doing a little bit more with this group of players because they're not going to stay around forever, and it could be a missed opportunity for Millwall. I, I think that is the worry for many Millwall fans because they're eleventh. They would pro- that would probably go down as another another steady season, as you say, but. It feels like they have got the foundations to do more. In 10th, Justin, we had Luton. And I don't want to spend too much time on Luton because I've spoken about them a lot this season. The only reason they weren't higher in our league table predictions was because Justin had them 12th. 
while I had them seventh. And from what I've seen so far, I can see them being pretty bang on for where I put them. What about you? I'm going to go full mid noughties pundit here. And if you don't put your chances away, Ryan, then you deserve what you get in a season. And unfortunately, Luton falling into that category, you look at the Bournemouth game where they lost 2-1. They could have won that. Um, Adebayo had some really good chances early on in the game. Could have made it 1-0 to Luton very early on. Didn't take his chances. Very frustrating. Um and I mean, I'm, a, I'm in the same boat as you. I, I really like Luton. I really like Luton this season. I think they're brilliant to watch. But if you're not taking chances, then you don't deserve to be higher. You could create as many chances as you want, but if you're not putting them away, you're not going to win games. But I think they will stop putting them away more, especially now Adebayo's got a few goals under his belt. Hopefully that will give him confidence. One issue that they've had is the form of Simon Sluger, who has slowly been creeping back to the Simon Sluger that we first saw in the Championship because he's had a couple of clangers um, under his name so far this season. But we know what he's capable of and Luton haven't been given away many chances, which is why I think they are in a very small handful of teams who could still be challenging for the playoffs in the final few games of the season. I'm really confident in that, despite how uh, results have gone for them recently. I think... Um, results will start turning for them um, and that will only you know have to start happening in the next few games once we get past this international break um, ninth Justin we had Middlesbrough and very strange position are Middlesbrough at the start of the season I would have had them down as playoff challengers now I'm honestly not really sure what expectations I've had for them yeah I always think sort of if you're ninth onwards or, or ninth, eighth and seventh, you're the three teams that are going to push sixth, sixth place very, very close. Um, and for them to, to for, for Borough to have dropped 15th now um, and Millwall fan, uh, sorry, Middlesbrough fans start to uh, complain about Neil Warnock, I think tells you exactly where expectations are and should be because they recruited quite well in the summer. So for them to have dropped 15th, is really really poor um they are only a couple of wins away from sixth but you want to be batting in around there consistently and borough haven't done that yet this season well the thing is as well compared to how much other teams in the division have been spending in the summer this season middlesbrough aside from the likes of the teams who got relegated borough top of the pack they spent six million mm. on martin piero who has barely featured so far so what on earth is going on there um Sparara's come in and he's been all right he's not been great but he's been all right um Ikpiezu, um started at the start of the season wasn't really hitting the ground running and now he's been dropped so yeah Borough in a very strange situation the fact they're only 15th is a bit surprising for me because they seem to have been quite poor for quite some time um but it shows that they're not completely out of the question of having a playoff push this season. Unfortunately, the only way you can see that happening is if they have a change in direction. And, and I can't see that happening unless they've got a new manager. And that's exactly what Middlesbrough fans have been saying. They they say that they should be looking towards the long-term future instead of Neil Warnock, who is looking unlikely to be there, there next season. So, yeah, Borough in a strange position. I'm not really sure what their expectations are. Have you got a definitive answer for what you think their expectations should be? They they should be aiming for the top six. They they recruited like uh, I was surprised with their recruitment. Actually, I was surprised to um, see the the, the speculated 
fee for Piero. I was surprised to see Sporar come in on loan. Um, so yeah, they should be in and around that top six. So for for the, for Warnock to still be in a job and for them to be in fifteenth is a surprise because again, those signings that I mentioned didn't look like Warnock signs signings. I don't think they were. I think they are looking to the long term future of the football club. So remains to be seen what happens over the next few weeks because what that could define where Borough finish this season. Yeah. Very strange goings-on at the Riverside Stadium. In eighth, Justin, we had Nottingham Forest. And after the first few games of the season, this prediction was looking like an absolute shambles. Now, I'd say it's a bit too early in the Steve Cooper era yet to decide what the new expectations are. But what we can say is the early signs are very promising. Very, very promising. They are a completely different side uh, to what we saw under Chris Hewton. Um, do have sympathy for Hewitt because he's a very likeable guy, but it just didn't work for him at Forest. And you could see the freedom Forest players are, are playing with. For example, Ryan Yates to score a header. I didn't realise it was a thing, but what Forest fans were saying about him scoring a header was just a complete miracle. Um, so the confidence for Yates to try a, a simple header in the box just goes to show that the, the belief Cooper has instilled into the players. We have got to get past that honeymoon period, haven't we? That's really the defining period when yeah. you know we saw it with Mick McCarthy last season. Unbelievable run of form when he first came in, dipped massively, filtered into this season. Steve Cooper can't allow that to happen. Don't think he will, but I think they should be aiming for the top half because we've said very, very much before. Didn't make sense. I didn't. Um, we said a lot before that they um, they're a team with a very good squad, so they should be aiming high. Well, we had them to finish eighth. They're 17th now and only five points off 8th place right now. I only have to utter the word Barnsley to remind people that a poor opening five or six games doesn't necessarily mean the season's over. And I think Brennan Johnson's form has been really exciting. And despite him being a young lad, he really could be the key for deciding what Forest do this season. Lewis Graben could be getting back to his best in the short spells that we've seen with him under Steve Cooper so far. Wawel McKenna... Two centre halves, I think, are capable of playing in the Premier League, and then the wing backs, Lowe and Spence, have been great as well. So it looked as if this was going to be a long, hard season for Forest, but the early signs of the Cooper era are reasons for hope. And at the moment, you've got to say they're only going to be looking up the table with regards to where their expectations lie. Seventh, Justin, we had Stoke, and I will say I had them to finish top sixth in my uh, individual table. The way things are going. I could be absolutely spot on if I do say so myself. I, I will add that I've had Stoke to finish top six in our last couple of seasons uh, predictions and they've got nowhere near it. That's my caveat here because I've got a lot of faith in Michael O'Neill but you, know, you get your heart broken so many times you don't, you can't trust, you just struggle to trust again and that's what that's what that was. Um, but yeah, Stoke are brilliant, aren't they? Let's, let's just cut to the chase, they're brilliant. Yeah, you're spot on because you cast your mind back to last season when Stoke really drifted away in the second half. That was largely down to Tyrese Campbell being injured. This season, it's the opposite, where he'll be coming back and hopefully strengthening them even more in the second half of the season. So already they've started brilliantly well. That win against West Brom at the weekend was a good sign of a what Stoke are capable of this season. And I think uh, one player in particular who deserves a lot of praise that we haven't really given out yet is Harry Souter, who for me has been probably the best centre-half in the division. And you hate me saying this, Justin, but he has been a Rolls-Royce 
defender. Just in size, as I say that, but I don't think there's a better phrase to describe the big, lanky Australian. At times this season, we have been a Rob Dickey podcast and an Aidan Flint podcast, but Suter has just been a constant rock at the back for Stoke. And the most spectacular part of his game is this passing range where he's been a bit like an, a, a quarterback in American football, the way he sprays these wonderful 40-yard passes out to Tim and Smith on the wings. Suter will continue to be pivotal at the back for Michael O'Neill's boys. So when you've got the likes of Nick Powell, Mario Vrancic playing out of their skin at the moment, you've got uh, Tyrese Campbell coming back in up front, you've got Timmon and uh, Smith on the wings providing the width, and Suter, Ostergaard, Wilmot at the back. There's a lot to like about the Stokies at the moment. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. The way they've started this season and the fact they've got the best attacking player still to come back means, for me, Stoke are fully on course for the playoffs. What do you think? I can't disagree with you. Um, Like you said, they've got the best player to come back or best attacker to come back in Tyrese Campbell. They're going to get to a a January transfer window where if they're in the top six and they are in around the the top two, because I think both Fulham and West Brom have showed some weaknesses so far. I think they'll be looking to to possibly bring in a couple of loan recruitments and, and really make a push for it, which will really solidify them in the top six. So I'd be surprised. I'd be more surprised if they didn't finish in top six. 100%. 100%. 100%. In sixth place, we had Cardiff. Oh, Cardiff. A side who are proving to be a bit of a mess. Um, the best thing I can say about them, Justin, is a playoff challenge is still possible. However, I feel like as if that can only come with a change of manager, unfortunately. Yeah, I just had to raise my eyebrows a little bit and just look at the lead table at them now. And they're obviously they're in 20th place. It is possible. Yeah. Um, but let's be honest, if they don't, I, I don't think a change of manager is going to solve anything. I think they need to change the philosophy in the football club. Um, the recruitment, I think when we did these predictions, there's still a few weeks left of the transfer window. And we'd have expected someone of some creative guild to come in and, and, and really, really pump them up full of uh, creative juices. Um and, and it didn't happen. That was, yeah, it was a weird thing, wasn't it? No, it's fine. Um, I but it didn't it. happen. It didn't happen. It did not happen at all. And that's why that's why they're in 20th place because their defence is put under too much pressure because they're not scoring enough goals at the top end of the table, not creating enough chances at the top end of the table. So the more chances they create at the, uh, not the table, sorry, the pitch, the more chances um, they don't create, the more pressure their defence gets put under and the more they're going to concede. And that's just been a, that's just been the factor for Cardiff this season. Yeah, they haven't been helped either by the underwhelming form of Kiefer Moore, who was suffering with COVID um, not too long ago. But that's one of many reasons why Cardiff are really struggling at the moment. In fifth place, Justin, we had QPR. QPR, who began the season well, looks on course to meet expectations of getting in the top six. Uh, they're still sixth now, so very much on course to do that. However, question marks have to be raised about the recent performances at the back. Yeah, yeah, it's not been fantastic, and I have to say, I haven't, I haven't really been massively impressed by QPR yet. And I know they're sixth, and they've shown really good character in some of the games, but I still think they've got some gears to go, which is quite, um, quite frightening, really, because they've got a really good group of players, probably the best group of players they've had since. I don't know. We're going back to the um, 2013-14 season when they had prime Charlie Austin, for example, and the likes of Rob Green, Neda Manuha, etc. Um, so yeah, I do think they've got a lot more to, to 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 give in the season this season. So I won't be surprised to see them put more points on the board and improve. And if they do that, then yeah, we're looking very very 
spot on for a for a top six finish. Yeah, and I think that's a really important point. They've had some players this season. Um, off the top of my head, Dieng hasn't hit the heights that we saw last season. Elias Chair has been pretty much as consistent as Elias Chair has ever played. Really, Charlie Austin not been as you know goal scoring as he was last season. But despite those players not being as good as we we're possibly expecting, they are still sat sixth. And as you say, if they've still got gears to go, that is the signs of a very good championship side. And if those players do come back into form and they do hit top gear, then who knows? QPR may be looking higher than just the playoffs this season. Um, we won't get too carried away, though, because, as I say, defensively, they have been pretty shocking recently. They've conceded 11 in six games and only three teams have let in more than them in the championship this season. Having said that, that is pretty much the definition of a Mark Warburton team, isn't it? Brilliant going forwards, <laughs> no issues at all. It's only the back where there's always problems. Fourth place, Justin, we had Bournemouth. And Bournemouth were a funny one at the start of the season. They were seemingly in a bit of a league of their own where they looked too good, but not good enough to be in a battle with the three relegated boys. Yet here we are now with them sat top of the league. And the question is, can they stay around there? It's a great question. I think I think they can because when you consider the fact that Jaden Anthony, the the young lad who fractured his wrist in pre-season, um, who was on loan at Weymouth at some point, which you say very very often, um, you like to remind everyone, he's outperformed David Brooks. David Brooks, I think, has been probably one of the more underwhelming players in the division this season, and. As I say, you look at you look at the the contrast in between those two players, and you think, okay, so you've got this kid playing out of his skin and doing very well for Bournemouth going forwards, and you've got another lad who hasn't quite got on it yet, and he's one of the best players in the division. You think, okay, there's more to this Bournemouth side than than they the where they're at, at the moment. So yeah, they, they they can certainly push on a lot higher. Um, I I fully expect them to, and they've got a very nice balance in terms of their style of play as well, which. Is a good is a good positive for um, a top two finish, let alone a top six. Well, the amount of depth they got is what really brings them on a par with the likes of Fulham and West Brom. Because you mentioned David Brooks, who has been on the bench recently. You got Jamal Lowe, who I don't think has started a game yet this season. And then you've got other players as well. We've got Lewis Cook still to come back into the team. It, it is an embarrassment of riches, really. The only thing that really separates them from Fulham and West Brom is the real star power for me in the likes of Mitrovic and Mowat. But having said mm. that, Bournemouth have shown that they are a real unit. And defensively, they've really earned the top spot this season. You look at the underlying data and they're far and away the best team in the league at the back. And then when you've got the likes of Solanke, Brooks, Anthony and Christie up top, they're going to get a goal or two in 90 minutes of a football match, aren't they? So I, I don't think you can rule out Bournemouth getting in the top two, despite the strength of Fulham and West Brom. With them being top at the moment, it's a fully deserved first place at the moment, isn't it? It, it really is. And I think their perform so far will make West Brom and Fulham stand up and go, hang on a minute. We uh, we need to pull our finger out here. And um, quite rightly, because I think Bournemouth have been by far the most consistent side this season because they've looked hard to beat. They've looked like they're they're always in games, whereas Fulham have, have let slip a little bit and obviously West Brom have, have dropped points as well. So, yeah, a lot of positives for this Bournemouth side. 
in third place we had Sheffield United and considering the standards that we had set for them at the start of the season and many other people had set for them at the start of the season I think you've got to say the biggest underachievers thus far Justin the most interesting question of all now is where are they aiming <laughs> they'll, they'll still be aiming for the top six it's very well documented that Jukanovic is a slow burner at all of his sides I think we'll, we won't see them at their best until Christmas. We've seen glimpses, that four-game spell where uh, they beat Hull, they beat Derby, um, albeit the, the, performance against, uh, the performance against Derby wasn't as good. But they look like they turned a corner up until the last couple of games where they've sort of fallen back into that mindset that they had at the start of the season. So, yeah, I don't think we'll see them at their best until Christmas. It's just whether or not it's too late to mount a playoff push or not. That's the That's the key question. I, I don't think it'll be Christmas. I think it'll be about springtime when we really see this Sheffield United team flying because I was having a look at uh, how they've done in past, uh, well, how Jokanovic has done in past seasons and I was looking at his last full season at Fulham where they were still 15th after 20 mm. games into the season which is just remarkable and need to remind you that they nearly went up automatically that season, didn't they? So I still don't think you can rule out a top two push Considering the talent they've got and how Jokanovic really gets his sides going in the second half of the season, it's going to be, you're talking about a ridiculous run of games where they are winning back to back to back to back to back to back to back games. Um, <laughs> but with the players they've got, it, it's not out of the question. I, I think top six would be the sensible expectations for this season when you've got the likes of Gibbs White, who is clearly a supremely talented player at this way, at this mm. level. And Dye has looked really sharp in his uh, first full season at championship level. And then you've got, you know, your classic top half championship players with the likes of, you know, Conor Hurahan, uh, Fleck, uh, Norwood. These are really, really good championship players. And we're not even mentioning the championship players who would be Premier League players when they're in top form. And by that, I mean the likes of McBurney, Brewster, even Moussa, who are, you know, very, very good players. So there, there's a lot more to give with the Sheffield United side, isn't there? I think that's the frustration that they haven't been able to get going yet. But I think it's just a, a mixture of that trauma from last season where they couldn't create anything. They were losing games on a regular. It becomes a really bad habit. Seeps into the... In, into their uh, championship form we've seen that um, but as you say it's going to take a while for Jokanovic to iron that aspect out of it while trying to instill his philosophy and style of play into this side they will get there at some point it's just whether or not it's going to be in time to mount a push that as I said uh, before that's the that's the main issue for Sheffield United is when they can get going and finally, Justin, in the top two places, we, of course, had Fulham to finish second and then West Brom to finish first. I thought we'd bunch these two together because they're kind of in a similar mould, really, aren't they? In the fact that we both thought mm. we'd get there. They'd be automatically promoted this season. Both started really well and then have dropped off a bit since the international break. What are you thinking now with these two? Well, I think West Brom... One game in 11, obviously the defeat to Stoke last weekend, one game in 11 where they haven't dominated is not a bad ratio, is it? So you get to the end of the season, potentially lose four four or five games, you're going to be promoted automatically quite easily. Obviously, nothing's as easy as that, but I have a, a lot more um, 
a lot more faith in this West Brom side at this moment in time than I do Fulham because I see airs of Bournemouth about this Fulham side from last season where Bournemouth, very good on paper, should have been in the top two, didn't work out the way it should have been and they, they managed to sneak a sixth place finish. I don't think Fulham will be that bad but that's the that's the worry for me at the moment for them well at the moment they've dropped away haven't they and they're currently sat fifth in the table so are you thinking that they could continue to struggle in the long term potentially uh, that game against Coventry was really bad that that was a a team not even batting um, or competing with a, a, champ- a championship side that is just in their second year uh, in the championship following promotion from the E1 so they didn't they didn't compete in that game Blackpool I thought had their number quite well um, restricted them to shots outside the area so there's clearly a formula here as to how you beat this Fulham side it's just whether or not Fulham can find a way around it if they can't then yeah they will fall away interesting for me these two and Bournemouth could very well make up a top three come I know next spring I'd say um let's say March time when the season is really in you know the final legs of the season it wouldn't surprise me if we get to that point and that's the case just because even though these two have struggled recently I think they have got a lot more to give and I think they've just got a lot more resources than the rest of the division Um, and it could become a straight battle between those three to battle it out for the top two you've got other teams who could still mount a challenge we were just talking about Stoke QPR Sheffield United, who could possibly add their names into the mix. But the gut feeling is, for me, that these three are very, very good teams. And uh, it's going to take some stopping for um, any of uh, those three, not to make up the top two, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it, it looks to me like it's going to be between those three come the end of the season expectations for following West Brom not changing at all they'll 100% still be aiming for automatic promotion this season um, just depends on key players coming back really for Fulham in particular with Fabio Carvalho who's turning out it looks like to be a really key player for them uh, this season despite only being a teenager and West Brom as well I think uh, really missing um, having a, a back three of made up of centre-backs for a start um, so yeah <laughs> I think these two will be all right, even though they have had a shaky period recently. Nonetheless, Justin, let's finish off with a game of Who Knows Wins. This is the app where you chuck in a few quid to enter a league and whoever correctly predicts the most results wins the pot. We do a league each Saturday featuring the three o'clock championship games. It's £3 to enter and you have the chance to get your share of the win pot, which is always in the hundreds of pounds. So when our league is up, you can enter using the code second you can even have multiple goals multiple goes if you wish to maximize your chances of winning so why not to get you in the mood for the games next weekend me and justin are going to go through our predictions uh, so justin let me just get the games up for next weekend the first game you've got to get your teeth into is blackburn versus coventry which way are you going i'm going to go coventry win yeah, I think I'll go for a Coventry win as well. Bristol City, Bournemouth. I'll go. I'll go draw. I'll go Bournemouth because it's Bristol City at home. Huddersfield, Hull. Uh, Huddersfield. I. I'll go a draw. You know, Borough, Peterborough, the better of the boroughs. 
Um, oh, God. Uh, uh, Borough. Yeah, I'll go Middlesbrough because mm. Peterborough pretty hopeless away from home. Millwall Luton. That's got drawing all over it. It's got Luton on it for me. Forest Blackpool. That's a really hard game to predict. Good um, game. I'll really go draw. Game. Yeah, good game. I'll go draw. Uh, I'll go Forest. Preston Derby. Oh God, that's another draw for me. That is. Yeah, that that's that's a game that has got draw written <laughs> all over it. Uh, Reading Barnsley. Uh, Reading. Yeah, I'll go Reading. And finally, Sheffield United Stoke. Another good game. Yeah, I don't know why he's not on TV. Um, I'll edge towards Stoke. I'll tell you why they're not on TV, because there are a lot of other good games coming up this weekend. Yeah, they are, Somehow even better. Uh, what did you say, sorry? I'm going to go Stoke. I'll, I'll, ooh, I'll go for a draw. Uh, so that is Who Knows Wins, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you download the app, and if our league isn't up yet, you can always join another league and predict your way to the win pot and uh, win some big cash prizes. So this has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Thursday to preview some of the big games coming up in the championship this coming weekend. As we've just said, some big games coming up. You've got the small matter of the South Wales derby. You've got the West London derby between QPR and Fulham. Big games coming up in the championship, so make sure you don't miss that episode coming up on Thursday. Otherwise, this has been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening.